It's Monday, June 14th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. Today's a little bit different. Today, we were actually present on someone else's podcast, getting interviewed by them. So this is the recording of the Austin Forum Upload podcast for today's episode, starting now. I'm Jay Boisseau. I'm the founder and executive director of the Austin Forum on Technology and really pleased to be talking to our friends again at from the Tech Breakfast podcast. Thanks for uh, talking to me today, guys. Morning, Jay. Hello. Thanks for having us. All right. So we've got Aaron Bewley, Russ Cantwell, and Tyler Gates from the Tech Breakfast podcast that comes out three times a week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays in the morning. They also now stream that live on Twitch as well as put out the podcast. So I encourage all of our Austin Forum listeners to check that out. It's a it's a wonderful way to keep up on the tech news. And as Aaron puts it, hot takes and all the other. What's your intro, Aaron? All the juicy gossip. Delicious, yeah, delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle is basically yeah. what it is. I love your intro. I got to say you were out for a little bit and I heard Russ and Tyler do that intro and they were... Uh, Careful now. I did. I did like how you you asked Aaron what the the intro was. Uh, that was probably appropriate. I will say he's not very good at it. For those no, who haven't heard it, uh, there are a few specific episodes you could listen to in a phenomenal intro, either from myself or from Tyler Gates. Uh, but for most of them, you'll hear Aaron say whatever it was he just he just said. Yeah, we basically just flip through the uh, the tech headlines and find stuff that's just crazy or stuff that's really changing the game. Or stuff, I don't know, just off the wall or, yeah. Stuff that interests cool. us, which yeah. is funny, too, because if if it were always the same, I would get bored. And so we'll have days that are just littered with news that would have been interesting, you know, last week. And it's like, ah, another major pipeline was hacked by ransomware. Boring. And we'll pick something new. Yep. <laughs> well, yep, we'll yep. Let's talk about crypto because apparently... <laughs> We can't, we can't just, we can't get rid of our interest around it, apparently. So no, no, that's right. Hasn't, hasn't worn out yet. Well, I love listening to your uh, podcast. It, I love the fact that it comes out three times a week. So there's always a fresh edition to listen to on my walks around the lake in the morning. You cover all the interesting news and you do it with such good charisma that it's just, it's just fun to listen to you guys do it. And uh, first of all, so kudos on that. Just it's a great podcast, and it's. Uh, I hope you. your listeners are your listener counts going up. I, I certainly will try to help promote it as well because it certainly gives me a lot of joy every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to to listen to that, or maybe kind, Tuesday, man. Thursday, Saturday. Yeah, sometimes sure. it depends on whether. <laughs> Thanks I get for to saying that. <laughs> um, awesome. So, because you guys cover tech news all the time, and whereas the Austin Forum typically has focused events on singular topics. I wanted to talk to you here in our last podcast of our season three about your takes on what we should cover in our upcoming events. And we're going to reboot our blog, the Austin Forum update that we do on Medium. And we're going to do our programming for season four for the Austin Forum upload, our podcast. So first things first, and you know, I think I know what topic number one is going to be, but what topics are are you all most fascinated by in the news lately? Ooh, which one of y'all wants to start? Well, I, I'll be selfish. Um, I, I will tell you that I, we, we used to joke a lot about um, 
me being our senior field esports correspondent or, or whatever it was that we <laughs> called it. I, it's something that's amazing to me that I think esports as an overall topic, not in, in, in this is, this is tech related. It's industry related. There's just, just a, a lot of content there to discuss. Every time I've had a conversation with someone around esports, even if they had no idea about it, even if they thought it was stupid, they were fascinated by what it was and how big it has become. That's right. Where it is going. And so, I mean, we even uh, at SHI, where I work, we have an esports program. Like, we actually help schools to develop esports programs and wow. to set up facilities and uh, help them set up curriculums and things like that. So, it's, it's much bigger than people know. And it's just growing rapidly and it changes all the time. I think a, I really think a segment around the industry of esports. Uh, the tech behind it, the the business behind it would be really interesting to a lot of people who both have heard of it uh, and both have probably never heard of it. Uh, so it's a, it's a polarizing topic, but I think it's one that is is worth covering in general. I think it'd be difficult to even do in one episode. I think you'd have to do it over the course of a couple different ones, but it's interesting. You got anything from betting scandals to lifetime bans to, you know... <laughs> 15, 20 years ago, you were looking at prize pools of $1,000. Now we have them north of $30 million. I mean, you've got an interesting evolution that you could talk about as it relates to esports that I think would be fun to cover. Are there any performance-enhancing drug scandals in esports? Like There's too one much, going on too much right Joe now. Cola yeah. Or... Yeah. It blew my mind. There is. Yes. <clears throat> yep. There, there's been several in the past. There's even uh, ma- like governing bodies that will manage uh, testing and making sure people aren't doing certain things. There's actually one going on right now that uh, I'll just say uh, Activision Blizzard is probably not overly happy about because one player (laughs) came out and said that he left his team. uh, Unfortunately, that team was the Dallas Empire uh, that because of his Adderall usage and sort of the pressures around competing and and having to use it. And there's a big video about it. And then everyone's kind of staying silent on it because the elephant in the room is everyone uses Adderall while playing. And so it's just, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, They did a big event with Activision. It wasn't mentioned one time. Uh, In fact, they were deleting chat in the stream that mentioned Adderall. (laughs) So yeah, it's, uh, there's all sorts of, anything that's happened in sports. I had no idea the can of worms I accidentally opened there. I thought it was so fascinating because I'll make those jokes and Russ is like, yep, actually that's a thing. (laughs) 100% of things that happen or have happened in sports have already happened in esports as well. In a, oh. it's it's about twenty five years old. You know, real true esports that as we sort of know them today. Some people would argue it goes back to the seventies and wait, like playing wait, arcades wait. and stuff. Who's like that. the seven time world esport champion that had testicular cancer and then got hammered for cheating because of drugs? Uh, unless that's John Wendell, otherwise known as Fatality. I don't know. He's the. You said one hundred percent. I oh. need it to be true. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> got it. I get. So you're you're talking about about. Uh, I'm being pedantic. Mis- <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, what are you? Well, doing? No, no, no. He's being he's being Tyler. It's he's actually. Being Tyler. <laughs> uh, okay, so maybe we're waiting on that one. We do have a seven-time champion in uh, four different Ooh. games. John, what's up? I beat you in Quake. Nice. Ah. <laughs> Uh, All right. Well, we, we'll definitely yeah. cover esports. We've covered games. Let me give you some more, times, but uh, not esports formally. So, I'll give you some more topics here. Um, obviously, the advancement of EVs. You had some major announcements come out from Ford, right? 
Uh, yeah. Some big things happen with the F-150 uh, that are going to start production uh, at the end of this year, going into next year, you'll be able to start getting those. Obviously, what's happening with Rivian and Cybertruck and all that kind of fun stuff. Mm. Um, there, I, too. And what? Lordstown Motors. Uh, there are a yeah. lot of them. There, there are a lot I of think Cadillac been in the headlines, too. Yeah, Cadillac, I think, came out and said any new model that they come out with from here on out will be EV only. Sure. You know? We'll, I heard we'll have your episode existing lines. on this. On the, I heard your episode on the F-150 and one of you, I think it might be Russ, is only owned Fords in his life. Is that right? That is correct. Yes, Russ. Yep. Right. And in right. fact, only Ford F-150s. F-150s, yeah. F-150s. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I just Let broke down and got here. my first EV oh, sorry. Uh, the other day. Uh, well, actually, I guess it's been about five weeks. I should probably put license plates on it at some point here. <laughs> um, so got a Tesla Model Y. All right. Nice. I had no Congrats. idea how much I would like. I mean, I knew I'd like it, but the the driving experience of something without a transmission is just smooth. <laughs> smooth. It is so <laughs> unbelievably smooth. I I, I really I, I still have my Camaro and I love those eight cylinders and the throaty rumble as they're gulping gasoline, but I know it's not right for the planet, so I'm gonna but I managed to let go of it at some point here. I'm I can't quite release it yet, but at some point I'm gonna I'm gonna say goodbye to it. And I really it's probably all EV for me from here on out for sure. Well, that's something that's you great. can dig into too whenever you get into that if you if you touch on that episode. But the energy density of those different types of um, energy right. sources, right, and how all that okay. works out, and the weight and size of batteries to be equivalent to a single gallon of gasoline, you basically have to have like a desk's worth of lithium ion cells, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's all kinds of fascinating stuff around that. Um, other topics I would say, obviously crypto, right. Um, and, and I think you mentioned this in the pre-show, um, DeFi, nation states that are adopting it, energy use for mining, proof of work versus proof of stake. It's all kinds of fascinating stuff around that. Uh, other topics I'll throw at you real quick, flying cars or yeah, drones, bro, personal what drones. Is, you're stealing all autonomy. my stuff. <laughs> Sorry, he just asked, what are you interested in? I, I'm, I'm going to just kind of light them all up real Laundry quick, list. But, yeah, sure. No. Take um, it all we got fine. some suggestions in the chat, too, after Tyler goes, if we don't cover all of them. All right. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. But there's all kinds of, there's massive things happening in that industry. Um, and you want to look at companies like Kitty Hawk, uh, like Lilium, um, Volocopter, Airbus. Uh, there's a lot of big mover uh, companies, uh, people mover, package mover companies that are that are placing billion dollar bets on these. Blackfly, too. Yeah. Yep. Um, battery technology. And then I think one that was in the chat that I just saw, tech privacy, which we're always touching on on this show. Um, lots of issues around that. Yeah, that's a big one right now, for sure. We'll, we just did a podcast on tech privacy, but we'll come back to that with a full event on that. So you guys probably know our format. We have monthly events that will draw sometimes hundreds of people. We'll have a podcast and we have posts. The events are now going to be in-person and online, so we expect them to get much bigger, and we're setting aggressive goals for the end of 2022 of you know many thousands of people, we hope, awesome. uh, in the online audience, while also having these multi-hundred-person uh, in-person events, which, of course, we haven't been able to do for the last 15 months. We had our first in-person event recently. Um, you know, sort of nearing the end of the pandemic and it was 42 people, whereas we used to do almost 10 times that many. But we imagine we'll be able to relax things a little bit as the months go on and wrap that up. And that'll be good. We'll probably cover EVs in November, I think, um, awesome. in a partnership with Austin Energy, which has a big EV program. Um, oh, cool. 
But I love those. Those are I love those ideas. Thanks, Aaron. There's a big. Yeah, and, uh, there's a big. I love your TV format plant there, in Austin, right? Oh yeah. What's that? <laughs> Tesla. That's, there's a big EV plant <laughs> there, just guy. outside of Austin, I think right? There's a, yeah, there's a there's a little little digging. Maybe you can going get somebody on, little construction going on. Yeah, so let's get somebody uh, from Tesla on your show. Well, you know, we're doing space in October, and we have Tom Markusic, the CEO of Firefly Aerospace, presenting. That's but the awesome. next time we do space, we have to ask Elon because he's got a <laughs> SpaceX facility coming here in town. He's got a Neuralink facility. We covered Neurotech in our podcast, not our events, so, but we didn't cover Neuralink in it. So we'll have to approach him about that. And then, of course, EVs too. So maybe we'll try to get him to do something or someone from Tesla for the November event on clean energy and EVs. That's a good idea. We'll have to just get Elon three times a year or something yeah, like that. There's a lot going there on down go. there in Austin. Maybe, maybe we do one with building tunnels or something. We get them four times a year. I have, I have no <laughs> idea if you're hiring the boring company people in town. And you know, a flamethrower at a live event sounds like a good idea too. Is he still making <laughs> no, those no, flamethrowers? Sorry, it's not a flamethrower, but yeah, having it in a live event Specifically was not a flamethrower, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really enjoyed y'all's uh, discussion of uh, cryptocurrency, and that's our big event in July. We uh, have... Paul Snow, the CEO of Factum, is going to talk about mostly Bitcoin, but also compare and contrast it with other cryptocurrencies. And nice. then Bass Bauman, who does many things, one of which is leading the Austin Ethereum group, he's going to talk about DeFi overall. So it's kind of a two-phased event, cryptocurrencies for the first half and sort of a more general view of um, DeFi for the second half of the event. We're going to follow it up a week later with an online-only uh, Bitcoin and bourbon chat. So the first one will be a formal presentation, webinar-style, in-person and online. And the second will be a more informal conversation. Think of it as Clubhouse, but with cameras, too, for the people who there you go. Their cameras on, yeah. on, uh, on Bitcoin. And that one will be on Bitcoin specifically. So no Bitcoin maximalist speaking in the first event, but the second event will probably bring some Bitcoin maximalists in to... Uh, share their points of view on that as well. well that's going to be nice. fascinating, man. I'm excited yeah. for your upcoming season. Yeah, yeah it's no, cool. it sounds awesome. We need a good speaker on drones. We we don't have someone lined up for that. We've been getting a lot of requests for that uh, event topic, but we, we have to have the right people too. Maybe you guys what, can- What kind of drones? Do you, like, uh, uh, sorry, are you thinking like- um, commercial just average hobbyist drones like dji stuff or or like these autonomous flying people carrying or package carrying drones people in package carrying not hobbyists yeah level. so there's yeah. a there's a guy um there's a guy that i just reached out to a couple of days ago uh chris anderson he just joined kitty hawk uh Mr. as their coo anderson. as part of their 3dr acquisition uh, the path from drones to remotely piloted passenger aircraft is becoming increasingly clear, especially from an FAA cert bias. So I reached out to him asking him to come on our show. Maybe you you can uh, have some success. He hasn't responded to that yet, but he's on Twitter at CHR1SA. So it's like Chris A, but the I is in a, is a one. That'd be All one right. I'd go for, man. That sounds good. Any other topics that you guys are thinking? Maybe they haven't been big so far in 2021 or that dumpster fire of 2020, but <laughs> things that you're looking at becoming bigger in the second half of 2021. You guys probably yeah. have an interesting perspective on trends because you cover things so regularly that you 
probably are right at the forefront of seeing things start to bubble up and having a feel for what might become big. We really are. Uh, and that's not trying to be braggadocious, but, and I don't think we realize we it in the moment, but it happened. Yeah. We do laugh about it a lot. Like we would talk about something and then like two months later, it, it's in the mainstream news and it becomes something that everyone is focusing on. And it's like, wow, like we're starting to recognize that we really are digging into things that if we take action on some of this stuff, based on all the research that we're doing, it could really help us, you know, or help our listeners or help, you know, advance opportunities in different areas. So. No, we definitely, um, it's one of the reasons I like listening to you. It actually helps me with our programming for the Austin forum. When I, That's awesome. when, when you guys are covering something in the news more than once, chances are it fits our mission of identifying emerging technologies that may have opportunities in business and government and education in just consumers' daily lives, et cetera. And we do cover pervasive technologies too in the Austin Forum. So things that are, you know, everybody is using, but we'll cover them in ways in which they're changing or evolving and the new societal applications of them. But most yeah. of our time is spent on the emerging technologies, the ones that maybe everybody's heard about or heard the words, but doesn't know much about yet and maybe isn't using much yet. Like we have a you guys have talked about NFTs. Um, in fact, I think you talked about it in your Friday episode. I think I remember Tyler saying, why are they using NFTs for avatars <laughs> and games? What's wrong with just using a marketplace? Which I totally agree with. <laughs> but, but, but everybody wants to jump on that NFT bandwagon. We haven't covered that yet, but it might be relevant to cover sort of this summer after we start talking about cryptocurrencies and then a little bit more on blockchain generally. I think you have something you could dig into that everyone is using, but no one likes. Um which is like around ad tech. The yeah. uh, I do suspect that over time, like one thing that happened huge recently, Eric, was the um, Apple 14.5 update with the, uh, I don't know what it's called, the privacy stuff that they do, right? The app tracking. The Yes, yeah. app tracking. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, with the app tracking stuff going on. What I've noticed is, is that a lot of people, and then there was also at the same time, this thing called Google Flock, which was this idea of putting people into groups and then tracking them as opposed to using cookies, which is probably not a good thing for a lot of people out there because Google has this mass amount of data already collected that it can actually do this. The only other company that can really do that, well, there's two, there's Facebook, and then there's Apple that can do this as well, that also has a lot of that data. I think it'd be interesting to dig into ad tech and specifically even go through flock versus segment specifically, because I don't think people realize that Apple has a $2 billion advertising business that the same time they put these privacy segments in, they also increase their ability to deliver ads inside of their platforms and that they define first party or first party data as any data on the platform that Apple can use. So like third party apps can't track each other but Apple can use all of that data to be able to create these segments that are similar to flocks and people don't like. So I think you could dive into the ad tech industry and the stuff that's kind of going behind the scenes that is used to sort of create these and sort of this move from cookies to, you know, groups of people that are sort of disguised as this way to make it seem like it's more privacy centric. That's at least what Google tries to say about it. And then, uh, sort of compare and contrast those. I think it'd be really eye-opening for a lot of people to recognize that there's all this stuff going on. So I've dug into it a little bit, uh, and it's just fascinating to me the the different things that the companies are doing, and, and very wide open. I mean, it's you didn't have to. I didn't have to look very far to to find these things. But that would be an interesting one to dig into, is the idea of like something people are using, but maybe they don't think about. 
I love that idea. Um, there's a more general thing of influencing people's opinions, not always for buying products, but for other reasons as well, right? And sure. So uh, hmm. you know, I saw b- back when Sundance was an in-person thing. I saw the Cambridge Analytica documentary there. More recently, yeah. I read the Weapons of Math Destruction book, and yep. so understanding how people are using all this big data uh, to understand how to profile you and how to not just market to you, but influence your opinion. So I think that that is a great topic. We should cover that in an event this fall. That's good timing. Yeah. Um, We might limit it to ad tracking, as you said, Russ, because it is very expansive topic now. People are using data in a whole bunch of ways. And then maybe we follow it up with a podcast or blog post on some of the other ways people are, are using this data to, to influence your opinions. I like that a lot. That's great. Tyler, what else, man? <laughs> yeah, no, a lot, of, a lot of the topics. Ideas? No, goodness, no. Uh, some of the ones that were top of mind, EV, uh, flying car, stuff like that. I, I feel like your format lends itself to really getting into those weeds. I, I love listening to, to your podcast and look forward to being able to participate in the events, but um, being to able to bring in experts and really dig into a topic, I think is just an awesome way to cover some of the stuff that we touch on, get excited about, kind of see in the news. Um, And those topics I'd love to hear more about. I I think in that vein, um, just diving into, I'll call it green tech as sort of an umbrella, but take a step back from electric vehicles, take a step back from solar, you know, production of energy, that sort of stuff, getting into where we are and where we're going to be soon when it comes to battery tech and cost and charging tech and cost and, you know, solar collection of electricity and cost. Those those sorts of topics, um, I think, will become a springboard for the stuff that's going to be emerging before it's even emerging, right? It's as soon as people start to understand that they can have a week of battery for their phone, and they can power, you know, what? massive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, Where do I get gonna, that? They're going to get I'll, excited. I'll buy an about iPhone it. if it'll give me a week of battery for my phone. Right, right. But but that kind of stuff, if you start looking at the underlying technology and where those curves uh, are going and whether or not it's feasible or what the big hurdles are, I think, I think listeners would be really uh, keen, especially to hear an expert talk about it. So it'd be a, a fun sort of tangent on that. Um, I knew you guys you have, have dug in. Tyler, let me Go say ahead. one more thing on that. You Just to piggyback and, and underscore there, you have a lot of people that really got hooked by the F-150 Lightning being able to power your house in case of an outage. Yeah. I was actually digging into it last <laughs> night. And it can automatically turn on power to your house if there's some sort of lightning storm like you don't have to go out there and turn it's some trivial. sort of thing on it can automatically become a, a basically a power wall that you drive right? it, it is it, it but that's all it is right so like it, it's funny that that particular topic um because obviously battery whole home battery backup has been a thing for for a little while now right most people are familiar with tesla's brand of that there are some other competitors tesla definitely actually has has some advantages both the way it looks you know how dense it can be cost is probably not one of those advantages but they're honestly they're not that different either um but like you say an automated transfer switch yeah yeah with yes. the Cybertruck, you're coming around to it? No, no not the Cybertruck. No. no, gosh, dude, no. you got to listen all the time. talking about it's battery backups. It's a joke. Sorry. Go to automated transfer Burn him switch. Burn with fire. Go get him. No. no, no, no. But but automated transfer switches, they've been around for ages because the same, same tech basically gets used for uh, generators, right? But 
one of one of the things that I have seen because because I may have gone down a rabbit hole looking into producing whole home backup batteries from used or wrecked Teslas because uh, this is a thing. It's a very small may community, but not. it's a very cool one. Yeah, may this is maybe it's totally hypothetical. Um, but but like getting into that, uh, there there have been a number of forum posts about Tesla and just saying why won't Tesla allow us to use our vehicles as whole home backups? Because they're not as good it's as already Ford. plugged into the wall. It's That's already why. there. All you need is that gateway to to backfeed the system and to make sure that you cut off you know uh, the grid because you don't want to backfeed the grid with your battery. Um, and there's costs associated with that, but it's trivial in the sense that we have that tech and have had that tech for a long time. So I'm hoping that like Ford coming out and saying, we're doing this, your truck is a backup battery, is going to basically push Tesla to just push the software update that says, yeah, okay, yours does it now too. Um, I'm actually super pumped about that because uh, I, I plan on having either a backup battery or a generator, and I plan on having an electric vehicle, and now they could be the same thing, which would make me very happy. And if uh, I can jump yeah. on other <laughs> things that I think Tyler is interested, just because I'm like firing today, uh, computational tech advancements, for sure. Like we love to get into that. Um, advancement in physics, just Tyler has a huge background in physics and, and mathematics, uh, space exploration. He almost went to work for SpaceX and I talked him yeah, out of it. That's a big one. And, and specifically getting into whether or not nation states and doing in research focus versus like consumer application of space travel or um, business, right? So, so when, you, when we commercialized it, the idea of doing things on the moon for commercial advantage as opposed to sort of scientific advancement. I think that's a huge topic that a lot of people have an interest in digging into. And that, that's on my list here too. And the last thing I was going to mention was bowling lane technology. For sure. <clears throat> that's a joke because <laughs> that's just to talk about how all three of us are fascinated, but especially Tyler, it seems like he's just fascinated with anything he can learn about, but all three of us are just interested in constantly learning. But we had a we had a gentleman on to talk about some technology stuff, and it turns out he was like a semi pro bowler. And Tyler knew like all the ins and outs of like bowling lane oiling technology. And we're like, whatever, man. He's like, no, it's true. It's, I don't he's, think he's I recovered right. during that. Like, I don't think I actually was able to make it back from Tyler being, like, oh yeah, absolutely. You know the way they apply the such and such with this, and then they do this, and then they psychoanalyze heat it with this. And- into a black hole and it's just i lost my mind i couldn't believe that Tyler went there. but then i also wasn't surprised after i had regained my composure six hours late yeah uh, we were talking about the coefficient of friction yeah, yeah I, don't, so. I suspect that one won't be an awesome forum event maybe that will be more of a blog post but i don't know. know that i mean a bowling event uh, that that's easy like you just well, you the got event your, at the you bowling got... alley well, okay <laughs> <laughs> what didn't, maybe it would be interesting to write a blog post just about Tyler in maybe that would be an interesting topic at hand like Tyler's interests or Tyler's right. travels where or does it like end that. Well, now, I, I was going to say, I think a good podcast I don't know that this one needs an event but I, you guys may find out different but um, I, this is already emerging I, I feel like it's the top of everyone's mind but work from home, office or hybrid and what's going to happen around the world really in either long-term changes, short-term changes, like are the Facebooks and Amazons of the world going to be able to force the industry to work the way they want it to, or are they going to get 
you know, painted into a corner? What does the cost of living and, and adjustments to pay, how is that going to impact specific industries, all industries? Yeah. Uh, those kind of topics, I think, are going to be really, um, well, if they're not already top of mind for people that are thinking, wait, I could work differently, right? Which I feel like is a lot of people, then recognizing that this might have a permanent impact and how they work. Like if they aren't already thinking about that, they will be by the end of the year. Yeah. I, I think that'd be a great topic. topic for you. Yeah, we should cover that. And, uh, you know, I found that very interesting during this pandemic, uh, our city, we, we got Dallas and Austin covered in terms of the people on this podcast right now. Those two cities really blew up in terms of number of people moving to them during the pandemic. Yeah. So, but here on the one hand about people moving away from cities because they could work from anywhere that they had a reliable right. connection. And yet, and anywhere is Dallas and Austin. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's, that's <laughs> interesting, but they picked two increasingly expensive cities in some cases to work from. So I do have friends that, you know, moved to Madeira, Portugal, the, the digital native capital of, of Europe, probably. But I have friends who moved to Colorado and moved to mountains and beaches and things like that. But even with this uh, being able to move away from cities, our two cities really attracted an awful lot of people during the pandemic. And it's good. I'm not quite sure what that bodes for future of work and how it ties into it, but why are some cities, despite the, the, the pressure that puts on with rising costs, I mean, costs in Austin have gone crazy in the last 12 months, and yet yeah. people are paying $100,000 or more over yes. asking price for houses, all cash up front. Like well, and, and like those are the topics that I think end up making really fun tangents is why are housing prices going up? Is it just because this is a, an attractive place to live and work as an example? Or is it is it a combination of, you know, millennials suddenly all wanting houses and being larger in population than the baby boomers as an example? Is it the cost of lumber has gone up because everyone started doing backyard projects right when we needed more houses. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of tangents there that are super interesting that you can always sort of hook back to technology too. But I, I'm curious as well, especially if you end up getting somebody that really knows about this, is the reason that, you know, the Dallas and the Austins of the world, uh, are, are we getting the influx? Not, not because like prices of things are necessarily low. Like you said, it, it's we're not an inexpensive, we're not a low cost of living uh, place, right. but I feel like we used to be recently. And so because we're lower than the San Francisco's and the LA's of the world and, and the, the New York's, right? We're, we're seen by the people that are trying to work from home as being tech and fin friendly. So there's lots of tech jobs here. There's lots of finance jobs here. And the uncertainty about whether or not work from home forever is really going to be a thing says I can reduce costs today, continue to do what I was doing, but it's a safer place to, to play it out. And the house costs a quarter of what it does in California, right? Yeah, so I was, I, I was anyways, say I think that I think that, that all great. that means is, is that people, they want to move to a cheaper area to live, but they still want to live near and or around a large metropolitan area. Yeah, they still, they want to be near one to be able to do things or, you know, what if something doesn't work off their job? They'd like to be close enough to somewhere where they could maybe get another one. I think that that's the, the main leading indicator we get from, mm -hmm. from people still moving to these areas. To, to us, the costs are going up. But I mean, compared to living in San Francisco or some places in New York City, it's unbelievably cheaper, right? It's crazy, which is they're yeah. probably the same people who are willing to pay, you know, $100,000 all cash over asking price of 
this home that three years ago was $300,000 cheaper. I mean, it's just crazy. Well, I'm, I'm really curious to see what this, the tools are going to look like in a few years time, if this becomes a, a persistent work from home thing, which it appears that it's going to do. So we all saw Zoom take off. I think we all wish we'd had stock in Zoom about 18 <laughs> months ago. Um, we saw Microsoft Teams make a lot of improvements. We saw Google, well, at least change the name of their package. And I assume it also added lots of, I think it's Google Meet now. Is that right? Not good. Yep. Yeah, um, whatever. They're, they're, they'll try again. So we, right? so we saw all those video <laughs> conferencing tools improve incrementally during the pandemic. But what we didn't really see was entirely new tools like the integration of, well, I have a whiteboard over here on the side here, and it's a regular whiteboard, not a digital whiteboard. And we didn't mm -hmm. see, you know, digital whiteboards get tied into these tools in such a way that you know, everybody, you could, you could be at home and draw on it and someone could be, you know, on their side of it, they could draw and it would appear on your whiteboard as well. I mean, I'm not saying there's not digital whiteboards in some of these apps, but they mostly suck. And so a real large whiteboard, like you're used to being in the same conference room with people, being able to simulate that, the tactile experience, the size of it and everything and have everybody work around that, or just Larger screens, I did buy a 38-inch curved screen during, and partly inspired by you guys and all your talk of gaming. I bought an Alienware 38-inch <laughs> curved nice. screen, but and I do enjoy using that. I can see more <laughs> things at once, but there are times where I still wish I had more. I wish I had a wall, and I could sort of simulate the conference room and experience yeah, and whatnot. Cool. When, I'm, and when I'm not on the keyboard, I, I'd like to actually see everybody in a more expansive more sort of life-size-ish way. I think there's some some psychological benefits when instead of tiny little heads on a screen, everybody's head <laughs> is the size it would be in real life. And you're seeing you people yeah. that you are. Ditch the wall. Heading, just get yourself a nice headset. Yeah. So you're saying all the words without saying. And Kieran just mentioned this right as you started going into this on, on the, uh, the Twitch chat. Um, but virtual reality, augmented yeah. reality, mixed reality, yeah, cross reality, all that kind of stuff. We can hook yeah. you up with a person to talk about that with absolutely. Yeah, certainty. we can. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would really like that. I uh, obviously entertainment drives so much of what we do in our economy, but um, I, I think this change to much more work from home may give the extra kick for VR and some of these things. That at least, at least I hope so. Um, I'm looking at all of you guys in a Zoom window right now, and it's fine. It's it, it's okay. But I'd love a more immersive experience with you. Yeah. When, when you can see them starting to do it. And again, I mean, Kieran is, is saying this in the chat too, but like teams together mode, right? Where you're getting yeah. you're getting instances of where we're not looking at each other sitting separately, but you're seeing all of us sitting together, right? And uh, yeah, Microsoft but if you use that some... mode. No, well, and he said that too. He's like, but seriously, don't use teams. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, this is the type of tech that's coming at us. You know, it's still in its infancy. Uh, but even Microsoft, you know, they're they're talking about some uh, some really kind of crazy holographic stuff with their HoloLens experiences, and we're getting there. We're heading in that direction. Pro tip for Teams, because I use it every day without issue: do not dial in with your phone. You have to no, use that's fact audio over your PC or phone or whatever. Like use use VoIP. Don't dial in with your phone because it will. That's the biggest issue with Teams. Other than that, it'll work perfectly fine. But if you dial in with your phone, you're going to have a bad experience. So that's uh, hmm. my number one tip for Teams usage. 
My, my problem with Teams is more that, I, and much respect to Microsoft, use many products from them, couldn't live without them in some ways, but every one of them does 10 times as much as I need in the interface is about 10 times clunkier than I need. And I wish their inter- I wish we could get to adaptable interfaces that understand what features you're using, promote those features to be the more easy to access ones, but also have a way of seeing what you're doing and maybe machine learning techniques need to be built into this and realizing what you could be doing more efficiency, but efficiently, but you probably don't know about that feature. And occasionally, really making smart suggestions, not random tip suggestions. Bring back ones. Clippy. Not Clippy. Whoa. <laughs> Anything but Clippy. <laughs> A much smarter Clippy. You Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been great, guys. I, I'm looking forward to continuing to hear your podcast. Um, and you guys are now on Twitch, and you say so you're, you're broadcast. And so this one, we're recording it for the Austin Forum, but you're on Twitch right now. And so you've got listeners that are commenting in. We have not made that transition for the Austin Forum yet. And we really should have. Twitch has really has been one of those technologies that it's all it's pervasive, but emerging uses during the pandemic. I started yeah. to use Twitch finally for some entertainment stuff during the, the pandemic. Lots of, some uh, of our listeners have, have moved to, to using Twitch. In fact, one of them, I used to, I say used to, I was invited back this year, but I, I didn't do it. In fact, one of the reasons why there's this conference, it's a, uh, it's a financial, it's a financial conference, but it's about technology and inclusion. That's the idea behind it. You mean Bitcoin Miami? That's what it is. Yes. Bitcoin <laughs> Miami. I was, I was invited to talk at Bitcoin Miami. Um, <laughs> no, it, it was uh, years ago. I, I talked year. about, uh, it was actually cryptocurrencies and its uses around the world and about financial inclusion. So I, myself and for actual crypto experts. I don't know how I ended up <laughs> the panel. Uh, we all talked about this. Well, I've been asked back every year and I haven't actually gone. I've, I have not done it again, but I, I never think of a good topic. And after the first one, our session was rated really well. So they said, you can do whatever you want. And I've never been able to identify what I want, but DeFi would have, would have actually been a, a really that good topic good. to been able to do that we mentioned here. But they, this year, because they can't do it in person where they normally do it um, in Dallas, they did it over a recorded link. So like something, some digital platform, but also I think on Twitch was what I saw that it was actually going to be on. So we're seeing a lot of, you know, professional entities take on Twitch as a way to actually stream things live to audiences like, uh, you know, conferences and things that they normally would have done live, which was surprising for a very gamer centric platform. So let me ask you a question about that because we're debating this for the Austin forum for the fall, which platforms we use to stream. So when the pandemic hit, we decided we were all in-person events before that. When the pandemic hit, we had to make a decision. Do we want to pause and see how long this COVID thing might last and impact the world? Or do we want to keep our community together online and transition everybody to Zoom? So we went to Zoom. Most of the events are in the presentation mode, the webinar mode of Zoom. But we've started adding some events in the uh, regular meeting mode of Zoom. And they're, they're basically clubhouses. We just didn't pick clubhouse because it was, uh, I, I am an iPhone user. I know that probably upsets Russ deeply, but I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't like any platform that was only iPhone or, or only Android for an organization like the Austin Forum that's trying to be inclusive. And I especially didn't like one that was invitation only for something yeah. trying to be inclusive. So we said, we will just use Zoom for this. Now, during the pandemic, while we're doing everything on Zoom, 
you know, people were asking, what about YouTube Live? What about Twitch? What about Discord? What about some of these things like spatial chat for networking? And uh, I was just asked this the other day on a walk, morning walk around the lake. Why Twitch over YouTube Live, Facebook streaming, or uh, Discord? And it didn't really have a good answer as to how to compare those. They've all evolved during the pandemic. Discord bills itself as a place to talk now, as, a, as opposed to a gamers platform. Twitch, I used, I think, used to be almost all streaming gamers, and it's evolved and expanded greatly. Um, I don't hear people talking about YouTube Live very much anymore, which is surprising to me because everybody still uses YouTube all the time. How do, how do you guys see these platforms playing out? Yeah, my here's my thing about say like YouTube versus Twitch. Uh, for live content, YouTube is is far better from a technology perspective, meaning the quality of the streams can be better. Uh, you can pause it, you can rewind it, you can do all sorts of different things that Twitch does not allow you to do. So for a user who knows how to navigate YouTube, and that's a very big importance here, and get to live content and find their subscriptions and deal with all that, YouTube can actually provide a better experience. The problem with YouTube is, <clears throat> so I'll give you an example. I follow Call of Duty League and Overwatch League, but I also follow, you know, a million other normal YouTube channels that don't do live streaming. Like Beely whenever Bills. they're on, like what? Like Beely Bills. <laughs> like what? Like, like Beely Bills. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I actually. Sorry, I haven't posted I, something in like two or three years. Um, <clears throat> the uh, well, when they're live, which I like, they'll be live Thursday at two. There's no guarantee that they'll show up as like the immediate thing that comes up on my feed on YouTube, which mm. is insane to me. Like it's it whereas yeah, on silly. Twitch, if I go to my if I open up Twitch right now, the first thing I'll see is all the stuff that I follow that is live right now. And so it, I I discover things on Twitch from the you know 500 different channels that I follow based on them being live at that moment. Like oh I didn't know that tournament was going on. And now it's going on. So I struggle with YouTube's live content management, but it is so much better from a quality and digital experience management perspective than Twitch is. Because Twitch is all about it's live and you can watch it when it's live and you can't manipulate it at all. They can only go up to 1080p, 60. They can't do... Like you can do 4K, 60 FPS on uh, on uh, YouTube if you want. Wow. It's, it's crazy. Like yeah. Seriously, the quality of stream watching the Call of Duty League is unbelievable compared to watching one of the you know Counter-Strike or Dota tournaments. There was a Dota major this last week on Twitch. The two side-by-side, -side, which I had going, was not even close. Like The YouTube stream dominated it. So, But it's just not as popular. So I don't know. I struggle with... I believe YouTube is a better technical platform, but their management of live content is awful. And so that's that's where you'd have to make your decision, I think. I agree. And how about, how about Discord? Do you all have any feelings about that one? About Discord? Yeah. I just I don't I don't think it's a player in the space compared to yeah. I, I think you you, not, you not for a very I mean if you have a specific tight knit group of people and then you want to be able to stream some things live like my friends every now and then will message me while I'm playing Counter Strike like hey can I watch your game you don't have your stream up sure and I'll I'll, I'll turn on Discord right so we can do that. But I, I don't know. I, for, for mass gatherings, and especially if you want to manage people to be able to watch replays and stuff like that, I, I just I don't think that it's a great option, yeah. personally. All right. But, but Discord, I, I, Twitch is really the one-to-many mode, right? Or few-to-many mode. It's really more of the, there's people there's presenting or streaming or whatnot, and then there's a massive audience of watchers that are interacting by chat, but not by camera and audio, right? And there's easier discoverability Correct. there, right? Yeah. 
Well, good. So. This is a uh, Russ. I appreciate that the, the characterization of those two. We're trying to evaluate what we want to do in the Austin Forum going forward because one of the things that we really want to do, and we'd love your input on it in the weeks and months ahead, we want to create exemplary hybrid experiences. We know that we cannot offer identical experiences to in-person uh, attendees and online attendees. So we were all in-person attendees until March of 2020. We were all online attendees from April of 2020 to just recently. And we had our first hybrid event. And you know we didn't try to solve all the problems in the first hybrid event. We used Slack so that everybody could submit their questions, whether they were online or in person, in the same question channel. Um, but because we didn't want people that were in person having to fire up Zoom chat and using the Zoom Q and A for their questions, even though they're in person. So we're going to try to explore ways to create hybrid experiences if, that, while not being identical honor both groups, are respectful of both groups, that have as much commonality as makes sense, like for chat and questions, and then provide, if not identical, roughly equivalent experiences so that nobody feels left out. No one feels like a second-class citizen because they were in person or online. And there are going to be things we can't replicate. We have after-event networking at a pizza and beer and whiskey place that's it for the in-person folks that we're not going to be able to replicate online, but there's kinds of online networking tools that are emerging like spatial chat and toucan and others that we can't really replicate for the in-person folks. So we'll, we'll probably go with different, but equal where we have to and integrated and, and equivalent and uh, identical where we can. And this is what we're struggling with right now, but I think the whole world is too on hybrid events. It's a yeah, fascinating sure. problem. That's hundred percent. I think people are trying to figure that out even with their workforce. You know, how do, how do we make yeah. sure that remote employees are not treated differently than in-person employees and they're getting the same experience whenever they do things like meetings or, you know, who make sure they're not passed over for job promotions and things like that. It's topic du jour right now for me and a lot of my customers. So it's definitely, I think a lot of people are trying to solve it, whether it's for work or big events or whatever it might be. So I, I imagine there's a lot of smart people working on trying to find a way to do it. It's amazing. I want to, I want, I want to reach out to V spatial and be like, how can you solve this problem? Like you Fix could almost it. make, you know, cause I feel like <laughs> they could do something to where they could, they could make it to where if you have a VR headset, you could, you could actually make it feel like you're there. You could raise your hand digitally. You could still get called on in the crowd. And then whenever you speak, it just comes over the speakers or something like that. It's an immediate thought I had go to my head, but uh, I don't know that that exists but maybe it should. <laughs> I, I guess it was naive to hope that we would see revolutionary new tools in the pandemic because as, as horrible and long as it's been, it's still only been 16 months, it's, really. Yeah, it's a short dev cycle. It's a short dev cycle. So we'll probably see new things continue to emerge in the months and few years ahead that were inspired by the need to create such tools. But but I'm sure they're, they're probably out there incubating right now and right. going to learn about it and realize it was right under our nose. No, I, I think for sure. I had a thought. I got to drop here real soon. But um, I, I saw something this morning um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up. When you dig into crypto and you start looking at NFTs and all of the sort of derivative, interesting stuff that happens there, 
make sure if you can that you touch on uh, like universal single sign on using cryptocurrency or blockchain tech, because that's something that's that's started to bubble up sort of big in the Ethereum community. But think like a Web 3.0 universal single sign on capability, you know, backpacking on blockchain, because um, I, I think that's actually going to be a really cool topic. And uh, there, heard it first. Boom. <laughs> well, that's a, that is a great closing suggestion. So thank you very much for that, Tyre. And thanks to all three of you. You're going to see your fingerprints, I'm sure, all over the Austin Forum programming uh, for the second half of this year. And I really want to thank you guys for the great work you do in your podcast. Thank you for your time today and ideas for our programming coming up. And I, I wish you a great rest of the week and a great rest of the year. You thanks, too, Jay. Jay. Thanks for having us, man. This is thanks, so much Jay. fun. We'll Have see a good you one. soon. Bye. Cheers. Bye, everyone.